0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. So the quarterfinals are set, and it's Northern Hemisphere v. Southern Hemisphere in all the games this weekend. Australia are out, and Scotland couldn't do anywhere near enough against the boys in green. So there's plenty to chat about, and joining me, as ever, the inimitable Sada Elgin.
1: I've never been called inimitable before, I don't even know what that means. What does inimitable mean? Can you spell it? (laughs) No, I have no (laughs) chance of that. My spelling
0: is atrocious. It's hard to say at this time of the morning. (laughs) So, how are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm really good. Tired, but Good.
0: Good. And someone else who you probably could do an impression of, the evening standard, Steve Cording. You'd do an impression of me? That'd You'd be just interesting. be, like, really
1: chill, I think, if yeah. I did an impression oh, of you. You'd oh, just then. be, like, talking like this. Oh, like is
0: really that the way I so talk really slowly? That
2: <laughs> yeah, feels that way, anyway. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> good. I'm good, yes. Um, what
1: have you been up to?
2: Well, um, other than a weekend of barbecuing in this bizarre weather that Say we've been now? having, which has been barbecuing. lovely. Barbecuing? Barbecuing, barbecuing, beering. Uh, we won't talk about the rugby watching, which was England, which we'll talk about later, which was awful. But the main thing is my daughter, can now ride her bike <gasps> that is
1: such an exciting time so they're
2: all done now all the kids can now ride bikes which that's is so such cute. a relief yeah she didn't fall off at all yesterday I'm sure she will today but anyway she's off and Aww, up and running Oh,
1: that's so cute lol what have you been up to
0: um, well,
1: apart from golfing
0: golfing and enjoying um,
1: yourself
0: <laughs> usual uh, ITV so I was working hard across the weekend filling in Um, on TNT Sport for all the people that are away as well. Oh, is
1: that a (laughs) dig, is
0: it? (laughs) I can't remember the last time I did a Prem Cup game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, because I usually do Prem Cup
0: games. (laughs) I think my star's waning, actually, to be honest with you. No, listen, I I did uh, Northampton against uh, the mighty Doncaster, the big game of the weekend. Um, Slightly one-sided in the end. Yes, it was. Cricket score, but there we go. And uh, yeah, I appeared on a rival podcast, um, a Welsh one couldn't understand a word any of them were saying.
1: The thing is, though, he thinks he was on a podcast. He was actually on a show, a television show. So he came on it and he was like, oh, it's nice to be on the podcast. I was like... It's a television programme, Lawrence.
2: <laughs> P- pictures, pictures, moving, yeah. moving things. Uh, they're moving things,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, but there was it there. Yeah, so we were out in Marseille uh, recording a Welsh television programme I was doing with Nigel Owens and Jonathan Davis. Um, and Lawrence came on as a guest. Oh, lovely. Via Zoom.
2: I, I, I need
0: some tips for Marseille for this weekend. Yes. Where to go? Okay, I've got yes. some rest Do you know what? It's really good when you're on a show it. that you've got, you got no idea what anyone's saying, right? And then you think, I think they're talking about me. But do you know what? It doesn't really matter. You just
2: listen for your name. It's long enough.
1: Exactly. You were very good. You were very entertaining as always Lawrence Lallio. okay shall we meet this week's guest then after a turbulent end to his time with Wasps last October he made the move to Toulouse and ended up as part of a team who were crowned top 14 champions at the end of the season he's also been a regular member of Steve Borthwick's England squad this year and now has 14 international caps to his name it's Jack Willis hi Jack how are you
3: hi guys how are you getting on
1: yeah good good to see you
3: Yeah, you too. too. Thanks for having
0: me on. Jack, not really the circumstances we'd love to see. We'd like to be talking to you still in the England World Cup, Cam. I'm assuming you're back home now in Toulouse. You had to withdraw, obviously, from the squad due to a neck injury you picked up in the match against Chile. You're obviously going to be gutted about that. How are you feeling? And and what's the latest? I mean, there was a lot of talk on social media because of all the injuries you've had previously, but I'm assuming this is quite a short little injury and just one of those inconvenient ones that you picked up.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's, um, yeah, looking at some of the injuries I've had over the years where you're looking at nine months out, 12 months out. I, I don't, definitely don't think it's it's one of those. I think next and and nerves you've just got to look after and I think unfortunately it's not one that you can push through too much and and take too many risks with and as you said the time frames with it only being well there's only this week guaranteed and I think that was sort of the logic behind it and we need to get this week right in order to get to the semi-final or the further stages so unfortunately the decision was made to send me home but I have no regrets from sort of what I chucked into the tournament I loved all of it and it really is a great group and I think think the next few weeks will be a a good few weeks for them for
1: sure yeah I was gonna say how has the time that you spent within that England camp how has it been over the last few months
3: yeah it's it's obviously a, a long long time away from home as well there's a lot of a lot of preparation that goes in from I went went into camp two weeks after the the top 14 finals to so sort of jump straight back into it and yeah I love the experience we, we had a week away in, in Verona in Italy which was great as well um and you just get to spend so much sort of quality time with those lads that you get to know them so well. I think even a lad like Theo Dan before this campaign, I hadn't even properly met the bloke. And then you're sharing a room with someone for for three months. It's, uh, you really do get to know people well. And um, it's a pretty unique experience.
1: He was your roomie, was he? He was,
3: yeah. He's, for the entire
1: he's, time? Yeah, he's a
3: good
2: lad. Okay,
1: that's good. Cool.
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jack it's obviously been um, not the smoothest of World Cup so far although you could argue the other way that England have won every single game so far which is more all that you can do but do the players share the fans frustrations because obviously watching we've we've made great strides it seemed to overcome Argentina which was a great start beat Japan fantastic against Chile and then you are sort of feeling like it almost was a backward step against Samoa I mean is there a frustration within the camp at the way that things are going at the moment?
3: I don't think so. No, I think fundamentally four from four um, coming out of the group stages is is a good position to be in and and top in the group. I think... The one thing I would say, being part of the group for for the time I was there, the want to improve week on week is huge and never really being happy with the performance. I, I know for a fact that they won't be sitting there happy with the performance against Samoa, but they got the job done and, and got the win. I think there's always a lot of frustration and, and talk when performances don't look sort of too rosy, but I think getting the job done is what's important in tournaments like the World Cup.
1: How do you guys deal with that, jack? The, like the because there has been criticism. I mean you're not the only team that that's had criticism for performances, but the criticism from the media and the fans, and I don't mean you personally. I mean as a collective when you're in a tournament like this, as a group, how do you deal with that?
3: I think being really blunt and honest, it's kind of white noise. We don't really pay much attention to it. I certainly don't. Maybe some lads do more than others. I think there's a real feeling that what we can control is the training sessions, is the quality and the effort that we put in and and everything externally is what it is kind of thing. And and we've got to crack on with the the job at hand. And... The the coaches do a great job at refocusing us each week at the task at hand and never looking too far ahead. Um, obviously, the boys have started their prep this week now. I'd imagine for Fiji, and uh, I think there'll just be great excitement around that. I think you review the game, probably review the game yesterday, and, and now it's on to Fiji. Take the learnings and and then sort of focus back in.
0: Jack, the um, the last time you spoke on this podcast, we we talked about the RFU still having what is now a very outdated rule about. Um, not allowing the head coach, Steve Balthwick, to select players who are playing their club rugby outside of England. Um, We know that you had special dispensation along with one or two others for the World Cup uh, after what happened at Wasps. But um, have you managed, and I'm, I'm suspecting the answer's probably no because you focused on the World Cup, but have you managed to have conversations with either the RFU or Steve yet about what the future might hold? Because without sounding too dramatic, as the rule stands, you might have played your last game for England for a little while.
3: Yeah, no, look, as you say, as it, as it stands at the moment, and, and as far as I know, that's the situation. I think any sort of discussions around what the future holds, I will be saving and the RFU will be saving for, for post World Cup, I'd imagine. I think that's, as you, as you touched on there, Lawrence, it, that's the focus for now. Um, the one thing that I, I could be pretty clear about is I want to be playing for England. I would obviously want the rule to change. I think I love playing for Toulouse, and 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 was so grateful. And I am so grateful for the opportunity they've given me after losing my job. It's coming up to a year ago now, which feels pretty crazy. Everything that's gone on in that in that year, but I think the the situation was. They gave me an arm and reached out when I didn't really have anything else. I didn't have anything else in England at that time. And and I've loved every second of being here since. So we'll see. I I feel I'm in a place that will make me better as a rugby player. And hopefully they'd be able to see the same way. But equally, I understand there's a lot more external factors that that go into these considerations.
1: Um, You've just mentioned that it is coming up to a year now since you moved to to France. How have uh, you and the family, I guess, settled into French life? Some of the pros and cons for us, Jack. (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh i think the pros are definitely the weather uh yeah. the the food and lifestyle is pretty great out here and i i think there are times where it's pretty tough i'm a real family man i've got an amazing family back home and including megan's family within that um they've supported my career beyond measure really for, for ever since it started and and being away from home is difficult. Uh, it's difficult for me. It's difficult for Megan. She's been living out here alone for the last couple of months. Um, and that's a challenge that you sort of don't really see on what sort of what even myself, what you'd be pop- popping on Instagram. She's basically been a single mum for the last wow. uh, couple of months, bless <laughs> her. And, and and she's incredible um, working away, raising our boy whilst I'm I'm sort of trying to do my best at the World Cup, but ha- not having that support as close is, is always difficult.
1: And you're expecting another baby now. Congratulations.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, (laughs) just to add to the chaos. (laughs) I know,
1: right? Um, So your little boy is called Enzo, which is actually the name of Lawrence's um, son as well. Um, So... Name-wise, now are you going to be choosing something French now that you're over there? <laughs> there's foreign? been
3: some. There's been some discussions. Maybe middle name. Maybe a middle okay, name. Yeah.
1: Nice. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you as well. You know, you said that Toulouse gave you kind of you know a lifeline after her wasps thing. Like you seemed like such a tight-knit group of boys, right? You like you seem more like friends than teammates. So when you go from that into another club, not from your own choice and not from your you know like so how how does that work? Is it difficult to set up? in to another club when you're leaving your mates behind, when it's not your choice?
3: Yeah, it all happened so quickly, sort of looking back to that, I everything happened at Wasps, and then a week later I was in England camp for the autumn series, told I wasn't picked against South Africa on the Tuesday and then played for Toulouse on the Sunday after that, so it was all a bit of a whirlwind. And I think the difficulty you say there, you've got, I've gone from playing with people that I almost grew up watching the likes of like Joe Launchbury um, bit at the club coming through the academy to being top, top mates with, with all these guys that I've then played with for eight years to suddenly being in a, in a room full of people that most of the guys don't speak my language Well, sorry, I don't speak their language um and I'm in a room not being able to communicate and I, I think we all know how important that like bit of banter and getting stuck into each other is in, in that rugby environment and just sort of by the time I've even tried to thought of something remotely what I think is funny to <laughs> say <reason>. the moment <laughs> moment's gone anyway yeah so um it is a challenge definitely but I, I'm working hard on on, on that and and Having lessons each week and sort of continued them on Zoom throughout the campaign, the World Cup campaign. So we'll get there. Hopefully, you,
2: you need you need to work on your DIY still though. Those walls are still looking a bit bare behind you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give
1: him a break. He's been away for a few months.
2: <laughs> I thought I thought your brother was going to come and help you put the the shelves together before <laughs> before he well, came we've back. Got Did this he not guy, bother? Nick
0: Knowles, will send him out. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Listen, Jack, you you let your rugby do the talking because you force your way into that starting lineup and you ended up a. Uh, a French uh, top 14 champion. We've got ourselves a very tasty lineup for the weekend. Uh, there's every chance there could be an all Northern Hemisphere semi-final lineup, which there was for Southern Hemisphere in 2015, which would be incredible. Um, you obviously play with quite a few of those French superstars as your teammates at Toulouse. I mean, moving away from England and Ireland and Wales, what, what do you think the chances are of the of the host nation? What's been the feeling over there in France? I think there's a
3: massive belief over here in what they have done over the last 12 to 24 months uh, and also what they can do. I think they've had their challenges thrown at them the last few weeks with a couple of key players. Three of them probably being uh, Toulouse players as well. Um, Antemak obviously out for a few months. I I think they're hoping that Marchand and DuPont will feature in the next couple of games um, if they get through to the semi-final. But I think the, obviously their side of the draw is is incredibly challenging as well. They've they've got South Africa this weekend and and they've been in, in great form. So I think if they get past this weekend and get that win, I think the belief will be will be huge out here.
2: And obviously turning to England, you played, didn't you, at Tukenham against Fiji in a game that obviously was history making for all the wrong reasons. What do you think England need to do to beat that Fiji team this weekend on Sunday in Marseille?
3: I think what we have been doing well throughout the tournament, I think you've seen the the ability to kick amongst our playmakers, the kick, kicking decision-making and the ability to contest in the air, I think is an area that we definitely could dominate at the weekend. And I think one thing that we can't forget, and I think there's probably an element of that slid in a little bit at the weekend, as much as people wouldn't like to admit, I think when a game has... No real cost to it, if you like. There is a difference. We're all competitive beasts. We all want to win games and win competitions. And when it really means something, that's when it really counts. And I think you'll see a group this weekend that are competitive and will go out there and and get the job done. I really, really believe that.
0: Um, Jack, quick word about your brother, Tom, who I think Steve Balthwick should have taken to the World Cup, (laughs) as I'm sure you and your family do. Um, He's now got the only number eight on the bench and not playing particularly well, but that's for me to say, not you. Um, How's your brother? Setting into life at Saracens, you, you obviously communicate with him on an ongoing basis.
3: Yeah, no, he, he's he's loving it. I think um, he can certainly see why they've been so successful over the last well decade. Really, it's always a challenge. Joining a new club. We talk regularly about that and how it's been for me joining Toulouse, him joining Bordeaux. And, At least he can
1: get involved with the banter, back. though, right? At least he can
3: understand that. He's got rubbish chat, so it's there's probably, there's probably <laughs> <struggling> <laughs> banter. <laughs> um, no, I think it's probably a little bit, well, it is a bit strange suddenly going back to the Allianz Park for the first time and being in the other changing room. We've had some not so great memories there playing for Wasps over the years, that's for sure. Um, but I think he's really excited more than anything. Uh, again, going back to that sort of competitive. Competitive side of things, back to the Premiership this weekend, and it's a hell of a rivalry between them and Exeter. So it's a great way to start, and and hopefully he can be involved in that starting
0: lineup and and go and show what he's made of.
1: Oh, Jack, it's great talking to you as always. Thank you so much for coming on. Super, super. Oh, thank you very
0: much, guys. Thanks, Jack. I hope you're back on the rugby field soon. Best wishes, of course, to your family and good luck with the new baby when he or she arrives.
3: Thank you very much.
0: And thanks so much for joining us today.
3: See you soon, guys. Take care.
1: Okay then before we go any further, Lawrence, it's time for you to choose the big batch. Big batch. Big, big, big batch. Big big batch. Big batch. <laughs> it's really early in the morning. It's too early really to be speaking, I feel. Um the big match moment from the weekend.
0: Can I just ask you for what? not just for me, but for all our listeners, can you say my name again? Lawrence. L- Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence. No one I, don't, said, I
1: don't often call you Lawrence, no, do you I? I just call you Lawrence. You
0: don't often buy me cake in the morning. No, but well, I haven't eaten it. As you overslept.
1: I you, overslept, the, Steve, the, the There needs to be
0: bribes. Anyway, big match <laughs> moment, yes. Well, The big match oh, moment was him getting up. But, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the big match moment with the Samsung Galaxy Tab S9 Ultra. Bring the big match to an expansive display. I'd like to say there was one from the England game. And actually there was. There was a few big match moments. Um, Owen Farrell passed Johnny Wilkinson's all-time point-scoring record. But as it took him over a minute to take his penalty, I can't give him a big match moment, can I really? Like um, to take his time. you know what? The, it would be wrong, even as an England fan. Um, they don't deserve the big match moment this week. Um, the big match moment has to go to that final game. I mean, Portugal... Oh, my word. I, mean, I have
1: loved watching them play this w- World mm. Cup.
0: I think we all have. Mm. I mean, I've, this is a country I've spent a lot of time in. I had a house there for, for over 12 years. And, you know, I've seen how their rugby has gone from where it was, I don't know, 20 years ago to where it is now. It's an incredible story. And, you know, we've had Japan in the past. We've had Fiji themselves in this tournament. Um, I think the quality of their rugby has been amazing. Heartbroken for them that they drew that game against Georgia with the miss kick um, in the last minute. But I think the moment has to go to them, their coaches, and um, you know what was it? Seventy eighth, seventy ninth minute of the game. I watched it again last night on uh, Catch Up because I just thought it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, we, I watched it um, outside a bar in Marseille, and I was with Jiffy and Jamie Roberts, Josh Navidi was there, Nigel Owens was there. Like there was a big group of us, and we watched it, and we were just we were just saying like for the neutral, this is like the perfect outcome, right? Portugal yeah. winning, yeah. and and Fiji still going through. You know, it was kind of like ah. Oh, well, no I think for them,
0: you know. It, that was their World Cup final. I mean, and the unbridled joy that you get from a group of players and coaches winning, you know, the players on the bench. And
1: the emotion. Oh, it was incredible. Was... I mean,
0: Fiji beat England for the first time ever a few weeks ago in yeah. Twickenham. And that was that. This is as big, if not bigger than that, you know, for Portugal to beat them. I mean, that and has to be. And for rugby
1: to be on the front pages of the national Exactly. Newspaper. I'll
2: tell you where it would have been good to watch. It was the Australian team hotel. Unpack, Um, pack. Are we going? Are we staying? I mean, that it was just, I mean, to see Mike Tajay, that kick that he put into touch was just perfect, wasn't it? And that for his final game to be that for Portugal and the emotion that it came with it and for them to be with their family on the pitch afterwards it was just the perfect ending wasn't it to the pool stages really it
1: was unless you were Eddie Jones or Australian that's (laughs) not the perfect
2: I think they probably knew they weren't going to get through anyway didn't they really there was a Drew Mitchell
1: that sent out a tweet halfway through the game saying so you're saying there's still a chance (laughs) (laughs)
2: which I actually
1: quite enjoyed okay so that's your big moment I love it okay let's take a look at the quarterfinals then gents gosh I can't believe we're here already I know Um, two games on Saturday two games on Sunday first up Wales face Argentina Will Warren Gatland's men And the World Cup Hopes of uh, Las Pumas Argentina They were last In the quarterfinal In 2015 Weren't they When they knocked Ireland out Was it in the tournament Before losing to Australia Then in the semis um, Steve Who do you think Will be packing their bags For Paris And who do you think Will be packing to go home
2: Looking at it objectively You'd say that Wales Have the momentum and they are playing the better rugby. However, I still don't think we've seen the best from this Argentinian they've team. They've
1: got game in them too. They
2: have, and with the back line that they've got, you think that there is a threat there all over. I mean, I think this could be a really tight game. Thankfully for you, I actually think Wales will get through. I think they're going to have too much. Ultimately, but I think it's going to be a lot, lot tighter than Don't than expected. A a no big
1: loss, isn't
2: he? He is, but I think there's. You look at the options that they've still got in the back row to come in with, with the likes of Tommy Raphael. Yeah. You've still got options there to play, play. Yeah. yeah, and Jack Morgan's versatility as well. Uh, I think I think Wales should have enough.
0: Well, what do you think? Listen, I think we have to give credit to Warren Gatland and his coaching staff, who are under enormous criticism or under the microscope coming into the tournament. I think he has got the best out of this squad. I think there's a lot of growth in them. Yeah, sure, they haven't played superbly well. Are they anywhere near as good as the teams on the other side of the draw? No, they're not. But I think they're having a real go. You know, they're making mistakes in games, but they look like they're enjoying themselves. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what rugby's all about. And um, so they've got... A lot of talent in that squad, and if I was looking at Argentina, and I know the way Gatland would be speaking to them, you know, Argentina have struggled against England; they were desperately poor, actually. Struggled against Japan, you know. Yes, they've got talent, but
1: they got the checker factor as well. Yeah,
0: they have. I still think Wales can go and win this game. I really do. So we're going for Wales, right?
1: Okay, yeah, we are we're going, going Wales for Wales. There. Yeah. So the second game on Saturday, oh, it is wow.
0: massive,
1: mm. isn't it? Ireland against the All Blacks. Highland have never progressed past the quarterfinal stage of a Rugby World Cup, um, they're at number one in the world as we all know and they have beaten the Allbacks three times in their past four meetings, what are you saying lol? Well
0: it's a huge game, mouthwatering game in fairness, um, I'm going to go with the number one side in the world, I keep swapping about this but I genuinely believe if I, if Ireland get through this game I think they'll, win the, they'll go on and win the World Cup. <gasps> They've already had to beat South Africa. They will have to beat the All Blacks and then they'll have to go and beat probably another, potentially another Southern Hemisphere team. So they'll do it the hard way, right? Although although maybe not because maybe all four Northern Hemisphere teams will win. The fact that they won a a series in New Zealand, I think gives the All Blacks serious motivation for this game. But I just, as long as Ireland, as long as their forwards get it right up front, I I don't see this New Zealand pack of forwards being good enough to get enough ball against Ireland or or, or be, you know, I just don't see it. I think Ireland have got too much about them and there's something about Andy Farrell and uh, New Zealand. He's got an incredible record against the All Blacks both as a Lions coach and as the Ireland coach. So, uh, yeah.
1: And they've got some, like, their fans, Ireland's fans are just insanely Green everywhere. And and let's be honest,
0: and Ireland have never had it. I mean, their fans have always been the best mm-hmm. they have and they, been in any, awesome. in any sport, any sport, in any tournament, in any sport, any sport. Yeah. but they've actually got something to really cheer about. And they have done right from, you know, the get go, as you said, they're the number one side in the world. I was so impressed with how they cope with South Africa. Yeah, of course, if the goal kicker had been a bit better, they would have lost the game, but ifs and buts, they just look very, very composed. So uh, it's a tight one to call. I do think uh, Ireland have got enough. Do you think injuries and
2: fatigue might come into this? Because obviously they've got Lowe, Hansen, Ryan all carrying potential knocks, might be missing. A lot of their players have played a lot of minutes in tough games on that side of the draw. I mean, for them to win seven games to win the World Cup coming out of the pool that they have is going to be a tough assignment. Whereas New Zealand, you look at them and you go, well, tough first game against France, relatively easy ride. Through the rest of the that, pool, though,
1: couldn't you? You could flip that, saying that they haven't had the tough games at Island. Well, the past,
2: would you rather play tough games or would you rather play the easy games? Well, I think
0: battle hardened uh, and ready, really. So. Um, you know, I, I really believe that. I don't think that's an issue. And uh, if you're winning games, you know, the little hand injuries go away, don't they? Really. Mm. <laughs> True. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so who who are we going for? Lawrence Island, Steve.
2: I think you've got to back Island, haven't you?
1: Yes. I concur. Okay.
2: So that's right. two, two Northern Hemisphere, two sides Northern Hemisphere. Basically, we're just going to pick the Northern Hemisphere, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. So, so, so two,
1: two to go. Um, then on Sunday, first step will be England against Fiji. Um, neither team gave their best performers at the weekend. Um, what do England need, lol? Uh, like, don't just say win, because it feels like...
0: Well, I think Jack. it was interesting, Jack Willis there. I mean, he sort of hit on it, didn't he, really? When it's a dead rubber, England were always going to go through, always going to top the group. yes. They should have played a lot better. I mean, we, it was really bad, really poor. I just want England, to cup, well, a couple of things. I'd love them to play what they see in front of them as opposed to play by numbers or paint by numbers, as I call it. I mean, the first line out of the game, I don't know if you saw it, but Manning Tuolangi got 10 yards over the advantage line. We had a six-on-one overlap on the left-hand side. And Ellis Genge came around on a decoy and they gave it to Jamie George. And through no fault of his own, you know, that overlap was then butchered. And it's just almost like they're playing the way they've been told to play as opposed to actually playing what they see in front of them. And these are very, very good players. So I think England will win because I think they've seen enough in that Fiji game to realise that, you know, Fiji aren't, you know, if you squeeze the life out of them, there is huge opportunities. And I just think, you know, Jack alluded to it, well, it's... It's all about the kicking game and about catching and competing. It's like, well,
1: as as England fans though, do you care? Like, if England get to a semi final of a World Cup, like do I do, you do, you, you do, I do, yeah. What would you rather than play really pretty rugby, really attractive rugby, and not go out of the no, ball because, no? Because you wouldn't because if so, they play no. pretty rugby,
0: they still get to a semi final, yeah. Well,
1: not necessarily. Oh, they
0: would. I mean, England have had it easy. Come on, they've they've, they've, they've been playing against a completely out Argentinian team a Japan team that were, their best days were okay, yeah, were no. four or five years ago. You know, it's not been great. It's been, I mean, I'm, I'm
2: lucky enough to be going this weekend and it's as going as a fan. And, and you, you, yes, you do want to have entertainment because you think I'm forking out all this money to go and watch them and I want to see them do well. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of poor performances recently. I mean, it went to Twickenham when we lost to Fiji and that was poor. went to see them lost to South Africa. That was even worse. But I agree with Lowell in a way because this is a talented bunch. There's a lot more to come from them. I think it's two big things for England is... Number one, get your basics right. If they do that, and if we pick a team with the players in the right position, Ford-Farrell debate ended at the weekend. It's got to be Owen Farrell starting at number 10. You've got to play two centres with Ford coming off the bench if you need him. I'd start Marcus Smith as well at fullback, and I'd there's have Freddie few, Stewart on a the few wing.
0: people that believe... I mean, England are sort of at the moment, whether it's Steve Borthwick's fault or not, caught between two stools, we're not big enough up front to challenge the power game that some of these other teams have, Ireland... France, South Africa, we know we're near big enough. And we haven't got enough pace behind with the team that we're picking. Exactly,
2: with the team we're picking, we had we a man who scored five tries and he didn't even get in the 23, Henry Arundel. I just did, I didn't understand that at all. But I think you're right, if we play with pace... I think we can match Fiji easily
0: and out wide and England should win this game.
1: Okay, so well, we're going England again then, are we?
0: Well, we are because we're not going to lack for motivation, are we? We no. lost to Fiji at a half-empty sta- stadium at, you know, for Courtney Law's 100th cap. So you'd like to think the players will be fired up and fuelled up and we'll, you know we're not losing to Fiji again. So, uh, yes. I mean, you agree it's got to be Owen Farrell now at number 10. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I just think we need more pace. I mean, I nearly threw something at the TV screen I and mean, moved Freddie Stewart to the wing. I mean, literally. Really?
1: You think he should start at the wing?
0: Well, it is. We've got got one out-and-out natural winger named in the team. So one person that plays wing all the time at their club. And, um, you know, I think you have to pay international rugby a bit more respect than that. I mean, I love Ben Earle. He's been our outstanding player. But he, he lost control of the ball at the base of scrum in that last match because the last time he played number eight for Saracens was November 2021. You know, you can't pick people out of position. No. It doesn't work like that.
2: No, so I guess I've been slightly contradictory to say that Marcus Smith should play and we should play players in the right positions because that wouldn't work either.
0: What Marcus Smith does is give England attacking intent. You know, he makes England think differently. But where you know? does he play though? That's the well, problem. If you've got Farrell the game at 10, and
1: bothwick
0: wants, to, no, right. wants England, to go with gonna so he's going to stick to his guns. He's going to play the way that he feels that the um, that, that that gives England the best chance of winning and um, It'll, get, it'll be enough to beat Fiji. It gets to a semi-final. But the last time we played France, we got walloped by 40 points. And the last time we played Ireland, we got walloped by 40 points. So, yeah, you can't win a World Cup by being hard to beat. right? You've got to win a World Cup by actually going out and scoring a lot of points.
1: Okay. <laughs> Lastly then, France and South Africa. The game which a lot of people predicted would be the final. And uh, one of them is going to go home on Sunday. It's mad, isn't it, to think two of Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa and France are going to be going home.
0: Well, they are the... F- I mean, I don't know if you saw the IRB or what would you call them, the World Rugby Rankings. They're not that they count for an awful lot, but they were just republished a couple of days ago and Ireland are top, France a second, South Africa a third and New, New Zealand a fourth. Four. <laughs> so yeah. just to be clear, the four best sides in the world as of today... Two of them will no longer be here after this weekend. And it is sad because, you know, South Africa and France, are, you know, play brilliantly. And um, I don't know, it's a bit like the All Blacks Ireland. It's such a tough one to call. Mm. Is Dupont going to be named in the team? I mean, there was never in doubt the surgeon wasn't, wasn't going to say, no, you're not fit to play.
1: <laughs> not if he was French.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: do, do you risk him, though, in this game or do you wait for well, semi-final Lu- and Lu- final? Lucas, Lucas
0: has been him, fantastic. I think he you has. have to play him. Maybe, maybe on the bench. I mean, if he's fit enough to play, he, he plays, yeah, he plays, doesn't he? But, yeah, I don't know. That, that's down to the coaching staff.
1: And who are we going with?
0: Well, I mean,
2: South Africa, they've got selection issues as well in, in terms of well who do they pick at 9 who do they pick at 10 there's, there's there's so many options for them in terms of what they do what balance do they have on the bench I think a lot depends on who they pick I mean pers- I th- Pollard's got to play hasn't he because you've got to keep your goals in a game like this
1: I think I'm going to go South Africa oh yeah I think.
2: Well, when we sat here at the start of the tournament, I said it would be a France-South Africa fight. You picked France to win, so I had to go for South Africa, so i got to stick with them now. So mm. I think South Africa are going to upset the party, and I think well, they're I going to win. the
0: hosts, then you deserve it. So, But I still think the hosts have got a little trick up their sleeve. I think it's going to be a tight game, and I think the 50-50 decisions do go, as I've known from my own experience, do go, do go with the host team.
1: So with what we've just said, it will be a
0: well, I, Wales I,
1: I, Island... Yeah. England, France, France, France. I think no, I think England, I'm South
0: gonna, Africa. Yeah, England, oh, yeah, so- South Africa, well, no, yeah, I'm, Laura, go going I'm, I'm going all four. Northern Hemisphere.
2: I think one of them will slip up. I can't see that we'll get all four. Which oh, is well, Topis
0: no. It's not England. <laughs> I mean, in 2015 we had all four Southern Hemispheres. So uh, you know, true. I mean, I think it's been a brilliant World Cup in the fact that all four pools have been won by you know the Northern yeah. Hemisphere teams. So why not?
1: Well, done us. Well, well, done, well us. done us. well done us. Well done us. Well done Go on the Lions and, and Scotland. <laughs> um. Okay, we must mention the Gallagher kind of Premiership is also back in action at the weekend. So it's going to be kind of like wall-to-wall rugby, right? It's non-stop mm. rugby. Um, you better cancel all your other plans because you won't want to miss any of it. And I will see you both in Marseille, gentlemen. And yes.
0: speaking of Marseille, let's head over there now to get the very latest from the evening Standard rugby correspondent, Nick Purawal, who has all the news from the England camp. Nick.
4: Hi, Lawrence. Great to be with you. At the moment, England are pushing forward with their campaign. They're taking on uh, Fiji on Sunday in Marseille. But right now, they're staying in aix en which is just down the road about 40-45 minutes away and today they've had their first press conference here and they've got a first training session so they're kind of finding their feet again after moving and uh, we heard from Billy Vinopola and they were just talking about taking on Fiji and the fact that as is often the case with England they won't really be anyone's favourite team among the neutrals. In fact, Billy was saying that they're quite happy to be public enemy number one, if that's how people see them. And it's often what happens to teams that that do well, actually, isn't it? That neutrals tend to get a bit uh, frustrated with them, because I think sometimes people find it boring if it's the same teams winning all the time. You wouldn't exactly say that England are in favourites territory for this World Cup, but they ought to be favourites for this game against Fiji. But the interesting dynamic of that, obviously, is that they lost against Fiji 30 points to 22 at the end of August. That sent shockwaves through the England camp. A uh, lot's changed since then, not least the fact that obviously England qualified for the quarter finals, four wins from four, but the quality of the opposition they've had has been fairly mediocre in many senses and their 18-17 win over Samoa didn't exactly tear up any trees. So it's time for them to get it together. Bit of talk about that and about what they've got to do to get their game back in order. So the hope is certainly in the, on their part this weekend that they'll get it together and actually produce the performance with which they believed themselves to be capable. And uh, there's certainly enough talent and experience in that squad to suggest that they can do this. But obviously it's a massive, massive challenge and it's a very, very capable Fiji team. And a lot of talk today about Levani Botia, the excellent open side flanker that Fiji have, who used to play... Centre and is adept at both centre and and flanker, but will be the scourge of the breakdown if England don't dominate in that area. With England's quarter-final being the Sunday game this week, we won't know England's team until Friday afternoon, which will obviously leave people guessing a little bit in the meantime. And on 10 hooks to see exactly what that'll be. I'd expect changes to be kept to a minimum, frankly, because that's kind of Steve Borthwick's way, and it's a fairly settled setup one we might see though uh, it wouldn't surprise me overly if they shift Owen Farrell to fly half Manu Lange to inside centre and potentially Joe Marchant starts at 13 although there's a chance for Ollie Lawrence as well who's played well I think that would be very harsh on George Ford but I think one of the things they're looking at is improving again the kicking game which they went away from slightly against Samoa they didn't kick as accurately as they had done and in fact they didn't kick as often as, as they had done and I think perhaps that's one of the things they need to get back to this weekend that suggests that Farrell might move back to 10 I think how However it plays out, I think Farrell will certainly start. They've got such high regard and they hold him in such high esteem that I, I can't really see him not starting. And obviously he's the captain too. So it'd be fascinating to see how they split the bench up. But I think Ford could be on the bench with Marcus Smith as well, depending on the other personnel in the starting lineup. If you have somebody like Marchant on the wing, for example, that allows you to remodel the back line and he can slot into the centre if required. So yeah, I think beyond that, you maybe might not see too many more changes, perhaps one or two in the pack, but yeah, I think the main thing is more than personnel, England have really got to get all facets of their game together. Losing their out is as simple as that, so it's a total shootout. They're very capable of winning the game, but
0: it's about time they get it together now. Thanks, Nick. Uh, that's all for this episode. My thanks to the inimitable, oh. indomitable oh, oh. I don't oh, even well, know what
1: that means either but lots all of, the, in, lots of ins. all the ins, yeah. Sarah
0: um, <laughs> and to Steve. Uh and to our and to our guest Jack Willis and a special thank you to you all for listening. Enjoy the rugby and see you next time. The evening standard rugby podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.
3: Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.